Welcome to Briefly Legal, your podcast briefing on legal news, developments, and legislation on the go. Brought to you by the attorneys of Crow and Dunleavy. The following should not be understood as or considered a substitute for legal advice. Visit CrowDunleavy.com for more information. Hello, everybody. We are back here on Briefly Legal, the law broadcast of the law firm of Crow and Dunleavy. I'm your host, Adam Childers of the Labor and Employment Section. We are back once again. This time I am coming to you from the Crow's Nest here in Oklahoma City, home of uh, the Crow and Dunleavy Law Firm. But lucky me, I'm also joined uh, by a couple of my partners from just up north down the turnpike in our Tulsa office. Uh, Today I'm going to be joined by Randall Snap. And Madeline Witterholt, this is the first time that we're doing uh, uh, two of our three offices, Dallas being uh, our other office. So as we continue these uh, podcasts, we're just going to make it uh, uh, more and more exciting and even more complicated for uh, tech challenge folks like uh, me. But we are excited because today is... Inauguration Day, January 20th of 2021. I don't know if you have been living under a rock or haven't heard, but it's been a bit of a difficult uh, road to get here. And I think that's all we'll say about that uh, aspect of Inauguration Day. But uh, Inauguration Day brings with it uh, a lot of intrigue uh, as we all sort of guess at what comes next. And that goes uh, doubly true for employment law practitioners uh, like myself as well as our guests today. So we are going to take on the difficult task of staring into that crystal ball and helping you, our loyal listeners, uh, figure out what to look for in the new administration, especially as it relates to employment law changes. Each and every one of you who listen to this show, I'm sure, are thinking about these um, changes in regulatory compliance, uh, policy issues, Uh, and every other kind of change that you can think of that will greatly impact the way that you run your workplace. And so I'm joined by uh, two people that I am extremely happy to call both my friends and my law partners, Randall Snap and Madeline Witterholt. Going to briefly introduce the two of them before uh, handing the reins over to them to say hello, and then we'll get started with today's uh, topics. Let's start first with the co-chair of the firm's labor and employment section, the man who at that end of the turnpike helps me uh, keep everything together between our two offices and all of the work that we perform, and that's Randall Snap. Randall has been practicing law since the mid-80s, but when it comes to employment law since 1993, which he likes to remind me means he's uh, been practicing as long as some of these employment laws are old. Uh, the one thing you need to know about uh, Randall is he is a uh, a solid rock chalk Jayhawk. He is a Kansas Jayhawk fan through and through. This time of year, basketball lends itself to being a fan more so than the, uh, the past football season. But uh, the other thing you need to know about Randall is he is extremely good at what he does. Um, he has he is the two-time uh, reigning uh, lawyer of the year in management uh, and litigation, according to the best lawyers publication. Um, he is uh, a full pr- a full practice employment lawyer, uh, and again, I'm proud to call him my law partner and my co-chair of the firm's labor and employment group. We turn next to uh, Madeline Witterholt. 
uh, Madeline, uh, many of you know uh, from uh, the speech circuit seminars where she is our seminar queen. She keeps everyone in stitches with her uh, keen in insight and her wonderful sense of humor. Uh, she is uh, holds the distinction, Madeline does, of having been the very first associate that our Tulsa office uh, had back in 1989, and she has continued to be uh, a great lawyer since that time. Uh, in fact, the journal record recognized her as one of the top 50 women uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, making a difference uh, just last year, and we're very proud of that fact. So uh, enough for me, Madeline. Say hello to our loyal listeners out there. Hello, loyal listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And Randall, I uh, ask you to do the same. Hi, gang. Okay. Well, guys, this is a big, big day. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot went into getting here, but let's let's dive right on into this topic. A lot to talk about. Um, Randall, let's talk first. Kind of set the stage for me on what the regulatory and administrative changes um, might look like, and, and what are some of the things that you're anticipating as we move into the Biden Harris administration. Well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we should have a pretty good idea in the first 100 days. And we can do that based upon just what the scenario is right now. And really what it kind of looks like right now is almost back to the future. I mean, we're going back to some of the things that were done at the early Obama administration. And the one thing that we really are certain of is that we have the Democrats controlling the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. So that means that they have what we basically call a supermajority. That hasn't happened since the first two years of the Trump administration, and it hasn't happened for the Democrats since the first two years of the Obama administration. We all know that in the first you know, term of the Obama administration, there was a lot that got done, a lot that was passed through, including the Affordable Care Act, things like that. So we anticipate that there's going to be a flurry of activity uh, to try to advance the Democratic agenda. And we, we it's gonna be done through several means. Uh, for one, uh, they will be able to control the cabinet appointees a lot better than what happened in the start of the Trump administration. Took forever to get some of the uh, people appointed to, to run the agencies in the Trump administration. And an example of that is uh, President Biden's already indicated that the new labor secretary for the Department of Labor is going to be the former mayor of Boston. We know that he has a union background. So we anticipate that the cabinets, the appointees and things like that are going to be brought forward with a lot more of, of the democratic agenda in mind. Well, that makes sense. Now from the employment side, I know a lot of our listeners are thinking, yeah, but what should we expect from these administrative agencies that we uh, you know, get investigated by? And that's gonna be your Equal Employment Opportunity Commission um, OSHA, Department of Labor. Do you have some thoughts on what we should be looking for, Randall, when it comes to those changes? We think they're going to be a lot more proactive in advancing new policies and certainly more proactive and aggressive in the investigation. So you can expect to see a lot more of the federal regulatory agents uh, in your area uh, advancing employment law, trying to enforce the policies that the Democrats think are more important. So one of the things we may need to do is prepare for that by making sure that if you do have an investigation and it comes knocks on your door, that you're going to be ready for that. Well, speaking of... Uh, you know, past administrations and sort of aggressive interpretations. I think we uh, all remember that under the Obama administration, National Labor Relations Board uh, took some pretty aggressive stances um, on uh, labor issues. 
um, and even in non-unionized settings. So um, just in the same way we talked about what the EEOC might look like in the next four years, tell us what we should be looking out for when it comes to the NLRB. We expect more of the same with the NLRB. It may take a little longer. Um, typically, there's five commissioners on the NLRB. There's only four that are currently sitting. Three of those are Republicans, one's a Democrat. So we anticipate there'll be another Democrat appointed pretty quickly. And then some of those terms are, are expiring for the Republicans. So pretty soon, we think there's going to be a Democratic majority on the NLRB. And at that point, we expect them to take some of the positions that they took early on in the Obama administration. And, th and those are going to be uh, way more pro-union than what we've been seeing. Oh, I don't think there's any any doubt about that, which, you know, let's think then about his uh, cabinet appointees. Um, it, it probably is doesn't take a, a, you know, a genius to put together that we'll see a more liberal cabinet. But there are also those who are looking at this incoming administration and saying it's going to move more to the middle, be more centrist and, and avoid some of the problems that come from the 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 far wings of both parties. What what are you seeing in terms of cabinet appointees so far? Uh, are are we are we tilting one way or the other, Randall? Well, we're we're tilting, but we're not tilting as far as some of the Democrats uh, want them to tilt. So so far, the cabinet appointees appear to be people that are that are not quite as liberal as the far left wing of the Democratic Party. They're certainly more liberal than the appointees that were under the Trump administration. So we'll see it probably shift past moderate. Uh, towards the liberal, but it doesn't appear that it's going to go uh, far left. Now, I was watching the other day as Merrick Garland was uh, introduced as the new attorney general. And of course, that brings up old memories of uh, the, the various judicial nomination fights over the years. And the Trump administration um, was uh, very successful in bringing in uh, a lot of uh, judges to uh, the various layers uh, of courts. Uh, what what do you see happening with judicial nominations now that uh, you have this unified uh, Senate uh, White House uh, combination for the Democrats? Yeah, we, I think there's going to be a strong push to appoint more uh, liberal judges or judges that are that are more active, uh, and that's primarily to counteract what uh, many perceive to be uh, the Trump administration appointing conservative judges. Uh, we may even see there's been some talk about trying to pack the Supreme Court by adding justices to that. I don't think that's going to be successful based upon what we've seen thus far, but that may be another movement that we see. I, it, the bottom line is I think we're going to see judges that are being appointed throughout this term that are uh, more liberal than the ones that were being appointed under the Trump administration. So speaking of bottom line then, Randall, what what do you what's the bottom line for employers as they get ready for this shift in political ideology? What 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 should our uh, loyal listeners be doing to, to get their workplace ready for these changes? Well, I, th I think the employers have a short window here because it's going to take a little bit of time for the appointees to be put in place, for them to develop their agendas, their policies. There's some talk about doubling investigators. So that's going to take some time too. So they, there's a bit of a window here to get ready. But, you know, the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure. We need to do start doing things now to make sure that you are ready when that happens. And I'd start that immediately. You know, one thing you might want to do is just do a human resources or personnel audit and just go in and review all your policies and procedures, make sure you have everything in place, make sure that you're compliant with all the laws that have taken place. And then another thing you might want to do is go take a look at all of your record keeping documentation and things like that. Uh, one of the things that federal investigators want to see when they come in the doors, they want to see all your policies, 
They want to see all your procedures and all your records. So make sure those are all up to, up to speed. It's great advice. And obviously, as the year unfolds, more and more changes will be need, need to be made. In some ways, that, that audit might be something that you consider uh, to take place more than once in year 2021. And that's because we're going to see a lot of specific legislative changes um, come down the pike. Madeline, I want to turn to you um, as we talk about one of the big ones, and that is uh, obviously uh, covid COVID-19 has not gone away. We have got a vaccination, but uh, in in a lot of ways, things haven't changed that much. Tell us where we stand in your eyes in terms of changes that we might see in the new administration as it relates to workplace laws and COVID. Well, we know that technically the FFCRA um, has expired. However, um, the general thought is that if someone comes to you with COVID and needs to take time off, the the best practices is to go ahead and let them take the time off and follow the rules, because I will not be surprised if one of the first things they do once Mr. Biden takes the presidency today is to go ahead and and extend the FFCRA past its uh, sundown of December 31st. The other thing I think is gonna be interesting is they're giving out more of that PPP money And the PPP money, as you'll recall, is to help employers keep people employed as opposed to having to lay them off uh, in light of a downturn in the economy. The word on the street is that the PPP money will be a little bit more uh, need-based than it was in the past insofar as there were some movie stars and people who who got the money and then gave it back for... uh, PR purposes. Yeah. And so for our listeners out there, remember the FFCRA is the family's first coronavirus response act. And Madeline, you're right. It's sunset as of December 31st with only uh, those who wanted to voluntarily extend those rights in order to take advantage of tax credits uh, able to do so after that. But interesting thought that perhaps we'll see a resurrection of some of those same rules uh, in the first hundred days of this administration. Uh, Speaking of uh, building on Past uh, changes, Randall, what about uh, the uh, LGBTQ uh, rights? Uh, you know, we've seen an expansion of them, uh, even under uh, what's considered to be a conservative uh, Supreme Court. Now, with this new administration, what are your thoughts on where those rights will go next? Well, we, we know that the United States Supreme Court extended the Title VII protections to the LGBTQ community uh, by a, a Supreme Court decision. We expect that the administration and Congress will advance what's called the Equality Act, and it's going to probably codify what the United States Supreme Court has already done and and very well could expand upon that too. So we we expect to see some legislation to expand LGBTQ rights in in the employment and probably elsewhere too. Well, Madeline, the the far uh, left, more progressive wing of the Democratic Party has long made uh, a livable wage, uh, a big issue within um, uh, within the Democratic Party. Are we going to see a federal minimum wage increase? And if so, how big might that be under the Biden administration? Well, I definitely think we'll see something over $7.25. That's been the minimum wage for quite a while, and it, it's, it's not working. It doesn't put you above the poverty limit. Um, they do anticipate or they would like to have a $15 an hour uh, minimum wage. However, 
that won't work for a lot of employers. While people will get more money, less people will have jobs. And so um, I don't think we'll get to $15. I wouldn't be surprised if we got to 10 or 12. I would also point out that there had been some talk previously about regional minimum wages, such that um, $10 an hour in Oklahoma is a little bit different than $10 an hour in New York. So from that perspective, I think that we will we will see a, a uh, raise in the minimum wage and it, it may be regional or it may be flat across the country. So I've also seen a lot of talk about, oh, we remember when things back in 2016, the waning days of the uh, Obama administration, there was a real move to make it more difficult uh, to apply exemption rules by raising the minimum uh, amount that those individuals have to make. Uh, do we see that fight happen again? And if so, what are the what are the margins that you think that the Biden administration will be reaching for? Well, the current um, min- the current exemption minimum wage, so to speak, is thirty five thousand dollars a year. Um, under the Obama administration, they wanted to raise it up to $47,000 a year, which was frankly undoable for quite a few of the employers. Well, most of them, the employers, at least in the in this part of the country. And so I would anticipate as they made a deal between the 47000 and the 22000 it used to be, um, we will see somewhere between 35 and 47, I would guess 42 or 43,000 a year um, would be the uh, exempt uh, salary threshold. Which will make a, a, a big difference. We've seen in dealing with our clients and kind of um, preparing for that ahead of time back in 2016, that that can dramatically change those who receive overtime and those who don't, particularly in certain industries. So that's certainly one our uh, our listeners will want to t- uh, keep track of. I also noticed, Madeline, that the uh, Department of Labor uh, is close to coming out with a new uh, contractor rule, making it harder, I believe, to uh, prove that you're an independent contractor versus an employee. What happens with that new rule? Does it see the light of day or, or, or is that uh, set to be axed? Well, I, I think that parts of it are going to come forward because the belief is that people are being underpaid um, if they're not employees. This will probably hit the construction trades and the oil and gas industry the hardest. Uh, Unfortunately, a a lot of people want to be independent contractors for the reason that they can then decide whether they pay taxes or not. Um, But I do think that we will see a tightening of it. We will see more enforcement of the is the independent contractor doing the specific job that the company they work for actually does? Are they a welding company and you're an independent contractor welder, for example? So um, yes, they the Department of Labor hates the independent contractor. And I think that we will definitely see the proposed legislation in some fashion to come through to tighten the tighten the reins of what had become a pretty loose interpretation of that status. So there's so many other areas that I think that we've pinpointed for potential change. Uh, you know, joint employment rules, I think, are going to be um, 
expanded where they'll find more joint employers where previous administration did not. I think we'll see an expansion of uh, labor rights and collective bargaining rights, uh, as well as a reversal of some immigration rules and policies that were really um, just kind of firebrands during the last uh, administration. But in the limited time we have left, I want to just jump into one final change that uh, I know is near and dear to human resources professionals' hearts, and that is keeping track of the wonderful world of FMLA. Randall, uh, what, what do you see for us uh, in the immediate future as it relates to the FMLA? Is the long uh, prophesied uh, uh, future of paid FMLA on the horizon, or is it expanded coverage or other changes that you're looking for? Or is it all of the above? Yeah, Adam, I think it is all of the above. I, I think you're definitely going to see some legislation to try to enact some form of paid FMLA, maybe not all the way uh, 100%, but there's going to be some attempt to get paid FMLA. Some states have already gone there. I think we'll probably see expanded coverage, maybe to cover additional medical conditions. And I think we may see an attempt to lower some of the thresholds, maybe eliminate the one-year requirement or the 1,250-hour requirement, maybe uh, uh, lower the threshold of 50 employees within a 75-mile radius. So I think there's going to be legislative uh, on all fronts to try to expand FMLA coverage and to try to provide a, a means to pay something or, or all of FMLA leave. So the only thing I have picked up for sure in listening to all this is the only constant is change, right? Is, uh, and, and remember, uh, for those listening, we're talking about a Senate that is divided at 50, 50, uh, with a, a, a vote cast by the vice president, uh, that can, uh, obviously tilt in the Democrats favor. But remember, this is a system that's still a little bit built for gridlock and maybe the founders knew what they were doing when they did that. But I do anticipate so many of the changes you guys have discussed today uh, uh, will probably happen. And the good news is that your friends here at Crow and Dunleavy are monitoring every one of those changes and are ready to help your employers navigate these ever-changing uh, seas of employment laws that are out there. Now, before we finish, guys, we don't want to uh, polish off our inaugura inauguration day without playing everyone's favorite game, get to know that crow. So I want to give you, Randall, the, the first crack at this. Um, I have been asking our, our guests, uh, what, uh, what streaming service have you been watching during these days of quarantine? And do you have any, uh, any show in particular you'd like to recommend to those who are listening today? Well, you know, I have a really tough time sitting in one place for very long, so I haven't been doing a, a ton of binge watching but I pretty much will watch whatever my wife is watching because she <laughs> can control the remote control when it comes to streaming services. And the most recent that we've watched is we just finished up the third season of Yellowstone. Uh, primarily for me to look at the scenery and primarily for my wife to look at Kevin Costner and a pair of Levi's. <laughs> well said. I, uh, I'm a couple seasons behind you. I'm late to that game, but I'm catching up as well. And, uh, I agree on all fronts, um, maybe less so on the, uh, uh, the, the Levi's, but, uh, uh, but there's something for everybody in that one. That's, that's for sure. So Madeline, what, what about you? What, what uh, media have you been consuming or what recommendation would you make to our loyal listeners? Well, like Randall, my spouse controls the remote control. That means the only thing we watch is a ball moving across the screen. Um, thank <laughs> heavens that we now have people playing in empty stadiums uh, because there's something to watch other than the 1988 
play of some crazy game we've never heard of. <laughs> so if we, the best that I can ever hope to get is crime. So we're all crime all the time, unless there's sports on. That's a, that's a nice mixture, sports and crime, crime and sports. Well, it's always fun to get to know a little bit more about our crows. I really appreciate the keen insight both of you have shared. The wonderful thing about this uh, podcast today is there are no right answers, but there's a, a wealth of possibilities that are out there. And it's just good to know that you guys and, and all the members of our labor and employment team are thinking about these issues constantly. So um, I want to thank both of you for joining me. And I want to tell everyone listening, be sure and subscribe to receive Crow and Dunleavy advisories and event invitations in your email box at crowdunlevy.com slash subscribe. You can always find us as well at uh, crowdunlevy.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, all social media platforms where Crow and Dunlevy has its presence. Well, until next time, on behalf of the law firm of Crow and Dunlevy, as well as the labor and employment section, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Briefly Legal.